Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Kenny Conversation, brought to you by JEGS, the leader in high-performance aftermarket car parts. Remember to go to JEGS.com. Well, we've covered NASCAR. We've covered the World of Outlaw Dirt Late Models, and we are going to the big boys now, the World of Outlaw Dirt Sprint Cars, four-time champion, Brad Sweet. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. So let's let's have a good time. Uh, we got we got to talk about your nickname, the Big Cat. Where did <laughs> I like it? First of all, it's so badass. Where did that Big Cat nickname start? I wish it was like a really cool story, but um, I lived with NHRA drag racer J.R. Todd uh, in Indianapolis, and we were always watching that that show. Uh, fantasy factory and uh rob deerdick was always calling his cousin the big cat and uh so jr just started calling me like as a kind of a friend to friend thing as like kind of a joke and uh then more friends started calling me it and just kind of picked up on it and then the, once johnny gibson the announcer with the world of outlaws called me it uh, it was game on so it's, it's been a great nickname though you know you never give your, yourself your own nickname so uh that's how i got it and uh the kids love it, you know, so we get to we get to do a lot of T-shirts and, and stuff off it. And, you know, all the kids pretty much call me the big cat. They don't even I don't even think they really know my name. Yeah, I mean, hey, listen, you're right. Uh, you know, you've made it. You know, Dale Earnhardt Sr. was the intimidator. Of course, Rusty was Rubberhead. That was a funny <laughs> nickname. I'm the Hermanator. But, yeah, well, the big cat's pretty awesome. And I, I really like that. But, okay, so 37 years old from Grass Valley, California. And right now, you are a four-time consecutive. Now, one thing about the Kenny Walls conversation is that you can always correct me, always interrupt me. You're four-time and consecutive uh, World of Outlaw champion. Uh, am I right? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a long climb to the top, but uh, finally was able to uh, beat Donnie Shots a few years back, and then uh, haven't relinquished it. You know, since we've had a lot of close battles, uh, you know, David Gravel and Carson Macedo are, are kind of hot on my heels this year. But, uh, yeah, just it's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's hard to get to the top. It's it's kind of almost even harder staying there. So, uh, you know, each year is a new challenge and uh, this year is no different for sure. Yeah, I mean, 2019, 20, 21, 22, that is that is really hard to do because you guys race a lot. What do you um? What do you think you have that the others don't? Because I mean, to win four in a row, now I'll do the bragging on you. What do you think you and your team have that the others don't? I think experience is probably the main thing in dirt track racing. Experience goes so so long, or you know, so far. I guess um, you just know what to do. You know, in in tricky situations and. Uh, we have a great engine builder, great mechanic, great team owner. Uh, you know, it's all the little pieces, um, you know, of the, of the puzzle. It's not any one thing that you can sit and say, uh, you know, stands out. It's a, it took a long time to build the team. And then, you know, now we're executing at a really high level uh, because of all our, our experience that we've all worked towards. And, um, you know, I just I think that the biggest thing that wins us the championships year in and year out is consistency and our ability to overcome the adversity in a, in a 90 race season, you know, there's, it's the, it's 
the good nights are always, you know, those, those are the easy nights. Those are the good nights. It's the bad nights when you, you flip and get out of the work area or the other night I started 11th and got up to third. It's those nights when you, you dig yourself out of a little bit of a hole. I feel like that we do really, really well uh, compared to some of the other guys. You're bringing up so many great topics that I really want to touch on. I want to, I want to talk about you at uh, the dirt finals though, at Charlotte, you know, I think it was year, year or two ago where you went into that race and you had to finish it off to win the championship. Was that last year or the year before? I've actually, last year I had to do it. And in 2019, me and, me and shots were only within four points going into the last night. So definitely had some, some of those uh, moments where uh, we had to step up and, and go to another level. Um, you know, uh, last year was close with gravel. Uh, we were only 14 points going into the last event, which is only seven positions and we were racing three nights. So, uh, seven positions over three nights is, is really nothing in dirt racing. What do you think, you know, from one racer to another, I have my deals that I do to keep myself calm, whether it's a song in my head as I'm getting, you know, I'm starting my motor as you're being pushed off. Uh, you know, Al Unser uh, Jr., he said before the Indy 500, he had Mustang Sally. You know, these these little quirks, say a little prayer. So as you went into those dirt finals, I mean, you're a real champion because you had to, as you just said, you had to really finish these things off. Do you have any quirks that keep you level? Uh, I think the thing that I've figured out is um, – I just, I really go to the gym a lot and work out and just mental prep, you know, just, just being prepared mentally and physically. It's like, I'm ready, you know, for the moment. Um, You know, I think it's just, I'm up for the challenge and, and I'm really comfortable with whatever the outcome, as long as I'm given 110%, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with what the outcome is. So I, I, you know, try to stay calm that way, knowing that I did everything, you know, I prepped my mind, the car's prepped. I'm 110%. I'm going to go out there and give it 110%. And then, you know, you got to be comfortable with the outcome because in racing, it can, it can go a thousand different ways. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really important to say uh, for kids that are coming up because I mean, when I was younger, if, if I didn't win my heat race, I thought that was the end of my life that, you know, I was going to live underneath a bridge in a cardboard box and, you know, I was a failure, but it seems like when we get older, we understand that if we don't win our heat race, nobody's going to eat us. <laughs> exactly. It, it, right. I mean, it took you a while to get there too or not. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, and that's, and that's some of why you're, why, you know, I'm more successful is the, you know, the highs and lows, I'm a lot more level headed, leveled out. You know, I don't let things bother me, you know, a bad night's just a bad night, you know, and a, a good night's just a good night. It's, it's kind of uh it's what racing is. And the more you get like that, the more, you know, for one happy you are happy in your life you know because you got yeah. a wife and a kid and you know there's there's more to life than racing uh although we make a living doing it and we love it and we're passionate about it uh you do have to have some sort of uh you know you can't let it destroy everything that you have going on and uh racing can do that it can it can be a a very mental you know especially on the outlaw tour we go you know you'll you'll have three good nights and feel like you can't do anything wrong and then you know, then you can't do anything right for three or four nights and it really knocks you down. So um, I've just learned over the years, that's just racing. And uh, I just show up 110% ready to go, you know, every time. And uh, that's all you can do. You know, I really, I really like what you said there because I study the great ones, you know, 
I, I used to think that if you were going to be a race car driver, you kind of had to look to look and you had to just race. And that's the only thing you could do. And then all of a sudden I saw Tony Stewart wearing shorts and flip-flops. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, he don't look like a racer, but, you know, and then you, you see um, just other drivers like Casey Kane, your, your car owner. We'll get to that later. But I like what you said that, and, and I've even learned that to, to be a racer, you don't have to be so hardcore. It is good to go see a movie, maybe get a massage, maybe go on a vacation. Besides working out, do you do anything, you know, during the, the grind to try to, do you go see movies? Do you get, what do you do? Well, vacation, obviously, just because we're so on the go is, is nice with family. Uh, going home, really, when you when you just get to go home <laughs> for a week, that's probably hard for people to understand and just, cook cook on my outdoor kitchen my outdoor barbecue get to cook you know some steaks or some you know ribs and whatever you know when i'm home it feels like vacation at times just living in these hotel rooms and being on the road so uh that going on vacation to somewhere warm bahamas something like that's always been fun that, that we've always enjoyed doing but um you know i i have a lot going on in my life uh you know not only do i drive in the race car uh you know Casey and I started the screen print shop, Kane Screen Print. So, you know, I'm not there all the time, but, you know, certainly involved in some of the discussions. And then, you know, Kyle and I started uh, the High Limit series. So we're doing that plus the podcast. And then got my notes, got my notes, <laughs> yeah, baby. We're we going to get there. Yeah. We're, <laughs> so, I guess for me, so I guess for me, what I've realized, though, is that my brain, I can if I'm doing other things, you know, instead of just sitting in the hotel room bored, yeah, working out, but I got this and that. Then when I show up to the races, I'm actually a little more excited to kind of be there. And, you know, then I'm just focused on that for the night instead of all the other, you know, mumble jumble I got going on. I want to call an audible real quick. Kenny conversations means, hey, I, I just thought of something. And <laughs> you can, you do the same, Brad. So I want to go back to Knoxville last week. Scary situation with Carson Macedo. Uh, flipped, caught on fire abnormally. What is there any anything that you all learned, you, the World of Outlaws, what happened there? Can you give us an update? Yeah, I mean, I think what happened is something broke. We're not exactly sure what broke, but, you know, obviously violent impact into the wall. Um, you know, these fuel cells is something that we're really looking at, uh, why they're, you know, they come, come off the cars. And once it came off the car or, you know, came unmounted um, and loose, then it, it was able to poke a hole in it. And then when he landed, obviously the fuel's pouring out onto the hot brake rotor or the exhaust or, or whatever, and then it ignites. And he, Carson was completely unconscious. Um, so the good thing is Knoxville had the right stuff to put the fire out. And um, they did a, a good job. I think we can all learn from, you know, maybe we could have got it out a little quicker, um, but they got it out and he didn't get any burns. And you know, we, I've learned a lot about this uh, this foam stuff that they spray on these fires. It's it's really amazing, uh, to be honest. If if you spray it on your hand, Joey then, Jive. Yes, exactly. You can you can damn near light your hand on fire. So you know, it was comforting knowing that they had the right stuff and that that Carson went through that experience and didn't get you know anything but very minor burns. He's actually racing with us, you know, this last weekend. So, um, but we learned, you know, um, I learned they already knew. You know, but I learned that with the right foam and, and the, if you spray the fire in the right spot, that they could have that fire out in 
10 to 15 seconds, no problem. Um, you know, and then and then it was scary just seeing Carson in that situation, obviously trying to help him, felt kind of helpless. Uh, but I think the right move was to get the fire out first, then get him out, you know, since we did have the right, you know, firefighting uh, foam and, and people that we needed to, to be doing that. So the outcome was good. Uh, it felt a little helpless, a little scary for sure. Um, but I'm, I'm happy it happened at Knoxville. Um, I certainly think that the learning is that, that every track needs to have that same type of foam and same type of equipment and um, you know, something we're definitely going to work towards moving forward is, is having those tools in case some of those fires happens at other, other tracks. Yeah. I want you to know that I feel bad for you. I wanted to bring it up because I thought it would be a learning situation. When I watched, I felt helpless for you. I could only imagine you were thinking your friend was going to burn to death. Uh, I love you. I'm sorry you had to see that, but you know, it, you, we're going to be better. Yeah. Exactly. We and, got away. We got away with it. And he's and he's okay. I think 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 that was the biggest thing is that to watch someone go through that and then and it be okay because of the the foam, the stuff that the tools that they had, they actually used them correctly. You know, they sprayed him down. That's why he wasn't burning. You know, is is he had that foam stuff on him? So, yeah. I mean, it was definitely learning. Very helpless feeling. But but you know, if the outcome had been different, I don't obviously think I would have felt feels good about it. But like you said, we learned from it. And, uh, you know, I think we can, you know, bring those tools to more tracks. And I think that would be a, a good thing to have. I was trying to find uh, Joey Jive. He's the one you're talking about. I raced with him and, and uh, it just escapes my mind. But he stopped by the shop here like you have stopped by my race shop and uh, showed me his his sticks, you know, for motorhomes. And yeah. Do you remember the name of his company? Uh, is it Fire Aid? Uh, yes, Fire Aid. Yeah, Fire Aid. Yeah, he's so, very smart, very good. Yeah, Fire Aid is is some good stuff, and there's a lot of good tools that they can put in these side by sides and the back of pickup trucks. And I've been learning all about it. So uh, me too. I've been learning from some really some really good people. There's a lot of good people in this dirt track sport that you know that you, that are very passionate about safety and and fire, and it's uh, it's honestly a breath of fresh air to hear all that and you know we just you know how it is we go to a lot of tracks that just don't have those resources and and uh you know like knoxville's and eldora's and and you know it's that's i think that's the thing is we need to make sure we're bringing those resources into those types of tracks when we go to race you know um almost like you kind of have to look after yourself a little bit is kind of what i'm learning i uh, i just got done with jonathan davenport superman you know dirt late model and okay. uh when we got to the end of the interview, and I'm going to do the same with you. And uh, he said that what you just said, he feels like that we need to upgrade the facilities. We're, we're you know, we got these $100,000 machines, $70,000 motors in the cars, and we hardly have porta potties and we got guardrails and we're cheating death somewhat. Yeah, uh, we are. Yeah. We, we, need, we need to get these as we, I always say us dirt racers, we don't dumb ourselves down. We don't go, oh, we're running dirt. We don't need to shave today. We don't need to take, you know, some of these tracks are nasty. Do, do you feel like that that is a big topic right now for the sprint cars? We got to upgrade these race tracks before somebody gets really hurt. I mean, it certainly is for me. Um, you know, it's you know part of Kyle and I's, you know, drive for starting the series is, uh you know, we feel like there's this kind of an old boys club that, that runs the whole, you know, organization. And, 
you know, we, we don't want to mess anything up with sprint car racing, but we certainly want to put pressure on the situation to try to, you know, drive the purses up, drive, you know, make the racetracks nicer, you know, go to safer places. And, you know, really the only way to do that is kind of just take the bull by the horns and, and start doing it ourselves. And, you know, we have a, a long-term goal of, of making sprint car racing, dirt track racing, bigger, better, safer, you know, everything. Um, you know, so this, this is kind of the beginning for us. And, you know, as we kind of step into that role of promoter slash series, you know, and kind of, we, we kind of are looking at all those things and, and trying to figure out, you know, avenues to make racetracks safer. And, and, you know, maybe racetracks just aren't, you know, capable of having, you know, high level racing events until they are able to fix their facility a little bit, you know, and that's just, those are tough conversations. And, you know, you always hear, well, they've been racing here for forever and that's never happened, but, you know, it's, we're trying to not be so reactionary and, and maybe try to get ahead of, ahead of a few things and, you know, proactive, proactive, exactly. Not reactive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think everything in dirt track racing is reactionary. Uh, It's always, you react to, you know, well, that happened. So, you know, maybe we need to do this. And then sometimes it doesn't even happen. So I definitely think being more proactive moving forward is is something that, you know, Kyle and I want to do, and and we certainly want to keep pressure on, you know, every series um, to do the same. So, I'm not going to rough you up, but we got to talk about a difficult situation. We uh, we see the uh, Chili Bowl where Kyle didn't race. Uh, you know, uh, Priority Aviation, they field three or four really good cars. They didn't race. Uh, we see you and Kyle starting high limit sprint car series. In your opinion, what what's going on right now? Uh, that's the best softball I can throw you without roughing you up. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fine. Um, I don't have a problem. It's, you know, it goes back to why we're doing it ourselves, you know, starting a series is because there's greed. We feel like there's greed out there. We feel like, uh, you know, Chili Bowl is just one example. It's not, it, it's a big example and it gets a lot of headlines, but basically, you know, it's grown so much over the years and, you know, I get that Emmett Hahn doesn't feel like he has to pay more or put anything into the purse. And that's fine. That's a, that's his business and that's fine. But as a professional race car driver that makes a living racing, if you want the best racers to go support the event, I'm, I'm certainly not going to leave my family for a week to go lose money in Oklahoma just because, you know, because I want to bring a golden driller home. No, I, I mean, I got to make my house payment. I got to pay the bills and you know, so if I can't fly out there and stay in a hotel for five nights and I have zero chance of making money, then to me, that's not a relevant event for, you know, or a professional racing event. You know, we're racing this weekend in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for $250,000 to win. Every high limit race is on a Tuesday night, pays at least 25000 to win or 23000 to win and has an $80,000 purse. The Chili Bowl purse is just uh, you know, it's turning into more of just a, a fun event for whoever wants to go, you know, pay to race. And that's just not, that's not our style. It's not my style. I mean, I think the Chili Bowl is an extremely fun, it's a great idea. They do a great job. Everything's, everything's there, but as a professional race car driver, I just don't see, you know, the economics of it for me, you know, or other professional drivers. I could go to Australia you know, you look at Kyle, he's going and racing in Arizona for more money. It's just, you know, even though Kyle has a lot of money or people have money. NASCAR money. NASCAR, NASCAR money. And I'm going to get to that. You still want to go race 
you know, for a, for a purse that you feel is justified. And, you know, the Chili Bowl to beat, you know, 380 people over the course of five days, the marathon. You and don't want to be used up. Don't, don't <laughs> use me. Don't use me. Just, you know, just, share, you know, the, there's economics to everything. It's a business. And you, can, and you can certainly look at how many people are there. Look at the pit pass price. Look at the grandstand price. Do a quick math and, and know that there's, uh, there's more money to go around to the racers. And especially, you know, the racers that, you know, make it all the way to the A main and, you know, really are the, they're the, the, the show, you know, the, the guys Finish that are. can get $750. Exactly. It's just not, it's just not going to cut it. You know, you're just not gonna. So, I mean, it's not, it's not that I'm mad at Emmett. It's just that if he wants the chili bowl to stay relevant and have all the best drivers, the only way to do that is to, is to put the money up. Like some of these other promoters are doing, you're seeing it in late model racing. I mean, we're racing for a million dollars in a month at, over at Eldora it's just the Chili Bowl's not really in that conversation because they haven't kept up, you know, the purse. So I, I just, you know, I think there's, he's going to create opportunities for other events to, to pop up that pay more and, you know, racers are going to go do those events. So I just did a um, Kenny Wallace show and uh, this is a conversation between me and you. I feel like sometimes people want to keep, I've been using this a lot lately. I feel like sometimes people want to keep dirt racing dumbed down. In other words, my show was you cannot make a living racing dirt cars. And I like what you're saying because you're saying I'm trying to make a living running dirt cars. So, for example, you know, I'd like to think you and I are friends. Two, three years ago, you come rolling up my driveway, you. And you're a world of outlaw champion. And you come rolling up my driveway in your pickup truck by yourself with your souvenir trailer. And I said, Brad, what the hell are you doing? And you said, I got to sell souvenirs to make it. So I want to gather all this up. I say you can't make a living running dirt unless you're a four-time World of Outlaw champion, unless you're selling souvenirs, unless you're busting ass. So I'm going to say this and then you respond. What you're saying is, let's make a living running dirt. Let's upgrade everything, and there's nothing wrong with that. Why keep ourselves dumbed down? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're you're the the part that you're right is the is the gypsy life or whatever you know the life that you Vag- call I call it a vagabond lifestyle. Smelling <laughs> ass, toter homes, clean your stuff up. So that's the part that you're you're certainly right is the lifestyle and the sacrifice and, and the hotels and the parking lots and the road life is there. Do I make a good living? Yes. You know, there's not a lot of other things that I could make as good a living, you know, just with my skill set, obviously. I mean, there's no You're night. time champ. Yeah. So, so yeah. And there's a handful of us out here that are making a good living, but it's very top heavy and it goes downhill really quick. So when you say, yeah, you, you can't make a living in dirt racing right this second, I would say after, you know, 10 or 12 guys. Yeah. You're, you're probably, there's, you're probably right that it's, you know, uh, it goes downhill quick, but they're making a living. They're just, they're doing it because they're so passionate that, or they love the the dirt lifestyle or they, they don't want to have a nine to five. Uh, you know, I get all that, but me, David gravel, Donnie shots, uh, obviously like Jonathan Davenport, uh, you know, Carson, all the, the guys, guys that kick ass make money. 
they we can make we can make money. I mean, if you go over here and you win Houston, we're getting you know like you you're you're right with your percentages. We get fifty percent of the winnings, you know, the good guys, and we get. You we watched get, my show. I I watched some. It got all the sprint car people, all you know, all the dirt track people, all fired up because <laughs> they, they, they say you know Kenny said you can't make a living, but I think they just they misunderstand exactly what you're saying. You know, it's uh. To me, like, yeah, you can, but you got to be, like you said, a four-time champion in the Napa Auto Parts car owned by Casey Kane, battling it out for the, you know, the top level. And, uh, you know, and you got to have good sponsorship and all the stuff. But, yeah, that is the goal for for Kyle and I is is to moving forward is there, you know, on these streaming services, there's there's a lot of people watching dirt track racing. And it's certainly grown our audience. And, you know, the crowds are bigger. We sell more merchandise than we ever have. Um there's more and more people watching these things every year. And, and we want to make sure that there's not a lot of greed happening. We want to make sure that, you know, we want to build these purses up, go to nicer places to where Kenny's conversation in a few years is, man, you can make a good living dirt racing, you know, um, more guys can anyway. And, and, uh, you know, you're seeing it for sure that the purses are getting bigger. Um, you know, everybody's putting pressure. There's a lot of competition. Now you have, you know, these four or five major sprint car races. I mean, you see it on the late model side, they have 10 or 12 major late model purses. So yeah, if you can win those races and you can compete for championships, you certainly can make a, a lot of money dirt racing. So I don't want to beat this with the dead horse just a little bit more. Uh, how many, how many teams follow the world of outlaws full time this year? Right now, I think we have 13 teams uh, out on the Outlaw Tour. How many of those drivers, without naming names, make a good living? I would say seven. Six, okay. six, six or seven. Uh, I mean, the first three probably make a lot more, and then there's a, a second tier probably to that that you'd still say is a good living. Then, then past that, you're just, you're just doing it because you love it and you're passionate about it. Yeah, I'm going to wrap this up. I feel like the way you feel and a lot of people feel, I feel like racing can, can be bigger and better dirt racing. Cause I, you know me, I, I'm all about dirt racing. I live it, eat it, breathe it. I just got done. I'm washing my car right now. Schrader shows up and I said, I got to quit. I got to go down and interview Brad sweet. So I mean, I'm washing my race car. I love dirt racing, Absolutely. but, but I feel like, you know, oh, it's dirt racing. You know, dirt's in my face. I'm like, hold on. It, <laughs> it, it's awesome. You know, I, w I want to bring a sponsor. I want to bring his wife. I want to bring his kids. Do we have anywhere that I can bring a sponsor, a CEO of a, a major company? And, and, and I don't want the fans going, oh, they don't belong here because they're clean. <laughs> yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, there's only a few events, right? I mean, we do it with our Napa Auto Parts corporate, you know, people. We're not bringing them to, you know, a few, you know, most of the tracks. But you would bring them here to you would, <laughs> Good call. You, would, you would bring them here to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and they'd sit up in the suite, you know, yeah. and you and you'd bring them to the Knoxville Nationals and put them in a suite, and they'd be impressed. And you could go to Eldora, but past that, yeah, I mean, it's just like. Just like kind of what we're talking about with drivers, you know, past the three or four or five good tracks or, you know, that are really dialed in, uh, you know, yeah, you wouldn't, you wouldn't 
you know bring bring people and that's that's part of the problem why why we haven't been able to grow like like we want to grow is because the bathrooms are disgusting you know dirt and rocks are flying in your face i mean i i agree with all that and that's something that that's a huge undertaking to to fix that but uh, obviously it's got to start somewhere and we got to build more and more facilities that that we want to bring ceos and uh you know people can bring their wives we, we want all 13 drivers to make a living absolutely running dirt we don't want seven and that's that's what you want you want better for the sport i want better for the sport absolutely i want i want what you same thing you want i'm just uh i'm probably you know diving into it a little bit deeper here with this series and, and things like that to try to you know figure out how we can make that happen so uh okay that's an end. We 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 said what we feel about dirt racing. We just wanted to be better, cleaner, nicer, safer. There's nothing wrong with that. So let's talk about the series. I believe that you and Kyle Larson own started High Limit. Uh, I know what it's all about, but some people that watch Kenny Conversation might not know. Tell me about the series that you and Kyle Larson own, High Limit. Yep. So Kyle's my brother-in-law, obviously. And, you know, so we get to have some candid, friendly conversations on the side, always, you know, just about things. I'm always been an outlaw guy and he's always kind of been like, why do you, you know, why do you want to sign up and why can't you guys run other things? And, um, you know, so I've got I, you to thinking <laughs> well, one thing Kyle has the unique ability is that no matter what car he drives, a lot of people want to watch him. And, Luckily, he loves sprint car racing. So he, you know, with his relationship with Flow Racing, you know, they want to do something revolving around Kyle a little bit because they know every time that Kyle races, they get big, big viewership. You know, he's a show. He's a show, right? Well, they they were open for whatever Kyle wanted to do, whether that was, you know, show up in a late model and, you know, somewhere in a, uh, a payment late model in Berlin, Michigan, or, you know, they, they just wanted to do something based around Kyle. Well, Kyle wanted to do sprint cars to, to try to make sprint car racing bigger because he saw on the late model side that they had freedom and that was uh, making their purses. Like they were racing for a lot more money, he felt like. And that's why he was racing more late models is because he felt like he could race for way more money over there. And so then the sprint car thing, we started talking about how to do it. Well, obviously his... Sunday job eliminates weekends and we felt like you know Tuesdays and Wednesdays are, are pretty open you know for most of the season uh especially you're not really competing against anything you know there's some baseball on um but there's there's not a lot of racing on and the the only thing that we debated on is if we could get crowds to show up on Tuesdays and Wednesdays and uh you know so we started with 12 races tried not to interfere with anything and then we we went big as big as we could on the purses but we're lean and mean we don't have big trucks and trailers going down the road and you know a bunch of series officials you know you crawl see me, before you walk crawl before we walk and try to understand it you know as much as we possibly can um you know so i live in that you know i'm the, i'm right there with the fi officials and running around you know hel helping sell the tickets helping get the people in then i go down and i help push the cars off and i you know, so I'm really trying to learn that everything about what it would take to run a series. But so far, we're six races in, five races in now, and it's been, you know, really, really good. Uh, obviously, Flo's really happy. The racers are happy because they're 
they're able to to now in between travel and between two different races they're stopping in and racing for these eighty thousand dollar purses on one night eighty thousand dollars is our purse um that's our minimum and then we have two fifty thousand to win purse purses that are that are a total of a hundred and forty thousand and then the 12 race series has a hundred and twenty thousand dollar point fund and this is all because kyle came to me and said, let's use my likeness and my ability to get viewership and create a series. And Michael flow, Jordan. Yep. And then flow backs it. And then you get my, my, you know, entrepreneur brain going. And then, you know, we end up with uh, a good group and a high limit series. And, uh, you know, Kyle's manager, JP and Rob Moskowitz, or they help kind of with all the, the league legal stuff. And, you know, we are able to, to kind of come up with something pretty cool. And, uh, the racers are happy now. Um, you know, Eagle Raceway the other night in Lincoln, Nebraska, we had just droves of people. So I we saw it. It looked so, good. So we proved that, you know, people are going to come out on Tuesday nights. The viewership's great for flow. And then and the racers are supporting it because the purses are, are good. You know, so we had 27 guys sign up full time for our series to travel around to all the different states. We had guys from Pennsylvania, New York, California, the Midwest. So, you know, it's turned out probably better than we thought and now we just now we just need to figure out what to do with it if we if we want to grow or if we want to kind of stay with where we're at or or whatever but we're, we're certainly enjoying it well i really feel like you know as as i get older there, there's good business models and then there's business models you try and they don't work you know we look years ago thursday night thunder open wheel midgets at indianapolis raceway park was the showcase for the great jeff gordon so I believe that sometimes people get so excited for Friday or Saturday. It's like they get a little sad on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Hell, let's have a race. <laughs> I think sometimes that, that business model works. Sometimes it doesn't. And I see these World of Outlaw or these flow nights for late models, flow nights. And the numbers are record-breaking. People sitting on their couch Hey, honey, what are you doing tonight? Hell, I'm watching dirt on flow. Yeah. Chromecast matching up with my TV. It's on my big screen. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're seeing, we're seeing, you know, extremely high viewership and it's, uh, you know, that's, that's really big for sprint car racing because, you know, that's that many more people understand it, know what it is. So when we do come to their town, you know, they're going to support that local track to, to see the stars come out. And obviously Kyle's star power. Rico Abreu and a, and a few other people that that are supporting our series. I mean, everything helps you know draw those fans in. But I I'm certainly a believer that the the streaming services are, have connected us to a much bigger fan base. And and I think this is just the beginning. You know, and that's why I'm really bullish on on sprint car racing and and dirt track racing as a whole. I think if we can clean it up, make it a little more professional, uh, I think we can grow the sport immensely. Because you want to race for a living you can do it but you want those guys seventh eighth ninth tenth i get it okay so we're uh man we just can talk forever we're already at almost 40 minutes Let, let's we're, we're on the end here and this is where it comes a lot loose so the hard part's over that was hard on me because i'm a racer and i owned a racetrack at making speedway making a lot i owned a racetrack with tony stewart kenny schrader bob Sargent. i get it so Let's have a little fun. Then we're going to get a little, little uh, hardcore. The Knoxville Nationals. Why? When did it happen? Why are the 
It is the Knoxville Nationals the granddaddy? Is it is it bigger than Eldora? Give me your thought on that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Knoxville Nationals is still the granddaddy of them all. Um, still, just something about that place. And I, I don't know why, but I mean, I think just just growing up watching it, you know how big the event is. It's certainly just a different. It's a different place when you go to Knoxville as a, especially as a racer that's going to compete. It just gives you chills going into that little town. It's just, it's there's there's really nothing much to the town. It's just nothing. It's and then like that, <laughs> it's like they turn it on right, and then it's just golf carts and the bars happening, and and people there's t-shirt vendors and you know just I don't know. It's just a the place comes to life. It's like its own little world. And, uh, you know, it's all, it's the most diehard sprint car fans all in one place. We sell so much more merchandise at Knoxville than anywhere else because people save their, their vacation that are hardcore sprint car fans and they show up for that one week and, um, the track's really good. It's really racy. Uh, you know, I felt like Knoxville always led the way and, you know, Eldora was right there with them, but Knoxville always raised the purse. And what Knoxville does too is one thing about their purse is it's not just a lot to win. It's $15,000 just to start the AMA on Saturday night at the Knoxville Nationals. I never knew that. You yeah, it taught me a lot. That's unbelievably awesome. It's over a million dollar purse for the, for the, so, you know, what they do is guys can travel from California and Pennsylvania and, and wherever they're coming from. And even if they don't have the best week, I think if you run, sixth or seventh in the b main it's like seven or eight thousand dollars you know and then I never knew you know, if you have a bad prelim night they have that the friday nights like the night of hard knocks they call it which then they you know then it gives you a second chance to kind of make a little extra money plus set yourself up so i just think they do everything right everybody's you know uh eldora obviously since tony's earl obviously did a great job at eldora now since tony's taking it over and, and taking it one step further it's it's hard to not it's hard to ignore that there's a million dollar to win race, but I don't think that million dollar to win race will be around you know every year. The Knoxville Nationals is 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 there, and then the Kings Row to me is is the next you know biggest sprint car race that we have. Yeah, and Knoxville also is the home of a, a beautiful sprint car Hall of Fame. It's real. It's nice. Yeah, uh, it's it's not some tin building. Mm -hmm. uh, so I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. The uh, facility, the Knoxville facilities. Uh, second to none. I mean, Eldora's definitely, you know, made a lot of gains, but but Knoxville, that Knoxville's facility, their suites, just everything about that place is is you know the premier dirt racing facility in the United States. All right, we're gonna wrap it up here a little bit, maybe five more minutes or so. I'm bad at saying that. I I always want you to know that I, I know you're a racer, and I'm I'm always used to working with hyper people. Kenny conversations going. I gotta quit saying that, but. Your opinion, your opinion on, well, we, we've already talked about most of it. Usually I do that at the end. So the next sprint car racer, but you're really good because you know a lot. Let uh, Parts, pieces, motors. I hear that if you're going to go to the Knoxville Nationals and you want a motor that's going to pull through that black mud, pull that wing early in the night, we're at, we're at $70,000. What are what are your thoughts on the motors right now? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're expensive. There's no doubt about that. The the cost of goods has gone up for everything. Um, you know, you you 
you're paying more for steel, you're paying more for aluminum, you're, pay, you're paying more for labor, you're paying more for shipping, you're, it's just everything's up and it all adds, you know, there's so many of those parts that are, you know, in a sprint car engine that... Not necessarily racing's fault, what you're saying. Well, yeah, absolutely. It's not, it's not necessarily racing's fault that, but that's everything. I mean, fuel prices are up. I mean, you name it, it's up, right? I mean, that's so, so obviously an engine's going to be up and uh, the cost to go to the races is up. I'm not defending it. Beer is up. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot that you can do. Um, I will say the gains that they've made are like it's in our engine program. And I think I speak for most of the others is we used to have to freshen our engines eight to 10 nights. And now we're going more like 16 to 18. Oh, nights. that's big. So we, we certainly, we realize that for sustainability of our own business, we had to figure out how to maybe take some compression out of these things and maybe put some beefier parts into where, you know, and, and go a little bit longer. So we've, we've, you know, lowered our engine bill that way. Obviously the cost is high, high to build, but a guy like Bobby Allen that, that has his, that they build all their engines in house and do it their way. I think they're building engines for more like 40,000. Um, so there are, there are ways to be crafty and do it. Um, you know, and they, and they're at a very high level though. Their engines will run as good as anybody's engines, but you know, then there's other guys out there spending 60 or 70,000 and, and buying them in, you know, six or eight pack, you know, that, that just, they got car owners that can do that. And, uh, you know, my car owner has the money to do it, but the way that we do things, we run KKR as a business. So we certainly look at those expenses and, and, you know, how sustainable, you know, that, that is, um, you know, the engine, engine costs. And we, we've, like I said, got our engines to, to run a lot more nights and that's certainly saving us a lot of money. I got to throw an audible here. I got so wrapped up in you, <laughs> rightly so. Uh, how did you get hooked up with Casey Kane? How did you become his driver? So in 2000 and, uh, 2007, I was just racing uh, Keith Coons, uh, another guy, non-wing, some wing stuff. I was kind of all just my name was out there. I'd, I'd gone, been going for three or four years, kind of just slowly getting another ride, you know, progressing, learning, but I didn't come from any money, you know, so I didn't get, I didn't get, I had to go do it the hard way, you know, beg, borrow and steal to, to get a ride or, you know, wash the car, work on it myself. So, <laughs> the grind. In, so in 2007, I started to run really good though. And I finally got some good opportunities to kind of showcase my, my skill set and, Casey had just got the Mopar deal and he had Kevin Swindell and Brady Bacon driving it. And, uh, the deal, something with Kevin Swindell wasn't working with their deal. So there was a seat, the seat opened up at the end of 2007 and I was just right place at the right time. And, uh, you know, I think they saw me out there grinding it out, working hard. And, uh, they, it, Willie Kane, Casey's cousin, you know, gave me the call to, to just hired me. I didn't really know him. Uh, but since then, you know, me and Casey and, and even Willie are probably, you know, those are my two of my best friends and basically family at this point. I've been together with them, you know, however, that's 15 or so years. So pretty, pretty extraordinary and in, in uh, dirt track racing to be with the same team for for that amount of time. And and Casey always had my back. He, he tried to help me get into NASCAR. NASCAR didn't work for me for whatever reason. You know, uh, I had decent opportunities and, um, you know, just didn't didn't adapt, you know, quick enough and, and well enough. And. Uh, you know, so really found my home uh, racing with the World of Outlaws. 
Yeah, most excellent. And, and I'm not I'm not going to say this to you. I'm just going to say it to our, our wonderful viewers out there. I get roughed up. Uh, I started, I've, I've had like 108 wins right now with my old modified. And people would say, oh, that's because you got all that NASCAR money. And, and I tell everybody, I say, listen, I say, you know, there's a guy that has a tree trimming company and that's tree trimming money. And then there's a guy that's got an electrical company and that's electrical company money. And there's people that drill oil. But I want to say this, thank God for NASCAR money because Donnie Schatz drives for Tony Stewart. The big cat, you, you drive for Casey Kane. And, you know, there's always, you know, Cale Yarborough once told me, he said, Herman, there's always somebody bigger than you. So none of us are never the biggest. NASCAR is great. It's good for the sport. It made Tony Stewart. It made Casey Kane. And they they love you. Casey loves you. Tony has Donnie Shots. And there would be less teams <laughs> without those those drivers. Uh, and I think they paid it forward. I think so. I think the fans are the ones that get they, – they don't want dirt track racing to be considered a lesser, you know, right. racing. And I think the racers, the true racers, know – you know, the, the Kyle Larson's and, and even, you know, a lot of the NASCAR drivers know that the, the dirt track world is a is a different world. It's they that they couldn't just come over here and beat these drivers. So and it should be it, it, exactly. It's so it doesn't really have to, in my opinion, doesn't have to be a conversation or a yeah, competition. It's, you know, we cheer on the NASCAR guys on Sundays and and have fun watching their races at times. Love and, that. and they and now they're, you know, Chase Elliott will text me as much as anybody. You know, he's watching our our races, our my world of outlaw races, and you know, all these NASCAR guys are are paying more attention. So I think the Kyle Larson effect a little bit is he's brought the NASCAR late model and sprint car group all together. Everybody's watching everybody. You know, thank and you, thank you for saying it. Yay! There's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's yeah. no, it's not, it's no competition. We're just, we're all trying to to make a living racing. We're all passionate about it, and that's really all that matters. Yeah, and, and Napa Auto Parts sponsors you and Chase Elliott. That brings you guys closer together. So are yeah. we? We're gonna we're gonna close it out with a, a goodie, an okay. oldie but goodie. Let's do it. I did it with Davenport. For, so with Jonathan Davenport, I said Moyer or Bloomquist. <laughs> so with you, you're just a kid. Kinzer or Shots, or a tie. You can say anything. <laughs> like, are you asking me who I think's better? Well, just a thought. Yeah. Um, man, uh, Steve Kinzer is the greatest of all time. That's it. <laughs> Strictly off of stats. And then Donnie uh, certainly dominated his, you know, his decade or, or even two. Um, they're, they're, they're one and two. You know, it's, it's just Steve Kinzer is just the king. And I, maybe it's because when I was a kid, you know, watching him dominate. It, it, he seems so me you know, too. Un, unreal. Um, but certainly my respect for Donnie shots is man, second to none. I, I, I love the guy. Uh, he's a great friend now. Uh, he made me work so hard for, for it all that the respect's so high. And, and now I feel finally the respect back from him. And it's, we've, we actually have a really good friendship because of it. And uh, two of the best though, for sure. Man, that makes me so happy. I, I, I kind of dreamed that up because over there in the, 
the, the late model world, they're just all always about Bloomquist or more. So I, <laughs> I, I served that up on a platter to Davenport and uh, we had a good time with it. So who did, uh, who did, who did he pick? He, he didn't even hesitate. He right away said Bloomer. And, yeah. uh, and, but, he, but he answered kind of like you did. He says, you know, let me back up. He has one car for Eldora. And, and Davenport says Eldora made him all his money, although he wins everywhere. So he said that Bloomer had one car that, you know, Eldora. Yeah. And, and kind of like Knoxville. So the late model guys are just like you guys. You guys are Knoxville. They're Eldora. Yeah. And and he said definitely Bloomer because Bloomer's got more big wins, you know, like Eldora. Yeah. And uh, but we both agreed that Billy Moyer and and Bloomer are like it's just a it's a beer drinking conversation. Yeah. None of it's right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who who was the best who is the best race car driver that you've ever raced against? That's he uh, race uh, the great dick trickle out of wisconsin rapids wisconsin dick um dick was my philosopher he he's the one that taught me some of these things like you know i i didn't grow up running a six flat dash like you guys yeah. trickle taught me you must first finish to finish first yeah uh just like we talked earlier in our conversation about body and mind not getting depressed in that hotel room you're in right now, yeah. which I don't, I can't stand them anymore because I <laughs> lived in them. Uh, but Dick Trickle won more races than anybody, uh, built his race cars, was a great race car driver, and he's the man yeah. for me. But like you, I look up to all you guys. You know, Brad, I look up to you. I admire you so much. And I admire you for a lot of reasons. Sometimes we, we don't know, but I got to tell you, I could admire you for your driving skills, but that doesn't mean you're a good person. Yeah. <laughs> I admire you because your father come up and parked his motorhome and I saw your dad and I talked to your dad. And then you rolled up my driveway to park your souvenir trailer so you could fly back home to be with your, you know, at home. And I know more about you and I love your sister. She's fun. Yeah. Uh, I just think you're a wonderful person and thank you for being on Kenny conversation. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a, it was an enjoyable conversation and you didn't, you didn't beat me up too bad. So uh, hopefully the fans will enjoy it. Well, I, I did, I didn't want to, it, it, it could have got ugly. It could have got ugly. And I know that. Uh, and I, I didn't want it to be there. I, I figured it this way. I am a lover I do, I do poke the skin with a knife, but I don't never puncture. And I figure if, if the, if the late models can have world of all late models and Lucas oil, then I know you all can do the same thing. And uh, you got it going on and your heart's in the right place. You and Kyle, you just, you just want better. You want everybody, you want more people to make a living, clean the facilities up. And I like that. Absolutely. So thanks. Yep. Thanks for, uh, thanks for everything. Thank you, buddy. All right, everybody. Remember, we are in podcast form. Uh, this is a long conversation, but as you know, on your way to work, you can listen to Brad. On your way home from work, you can listen to Brad. Or old Charlie Marlowe, we'll chop this up. We'll give you 15 minutes at a time. And it, it, it'll live forever. So until then, remember, 
Kenny conversation just keeps on rolling. We've got it all covered. NASCAR, dirt. Until next time.